0: Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate, And even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky.
1: Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. And with me, as always, my friend, Dwight Brown, co host of the HR Data Labs podcast. Dwight, how are you? David, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. And with us today, we have uh, a special guest, Partha Nyag, um, who is the founder and CEO of Vantage Circle. Partha, how are you?
2: Very good, David, and nice to be with you, both David and Dwight.
1: We are very happy to have you, sir. Appreciate you being here. Give us a little bit of background as to who you are.
2: Yeah, so I'm the founder and the CEO of Vantage Circle. We're in the employee engagement space. So I've been running this company for almost 13 years now. 12 and a half years. Before this, I used to, I mean, I have an engineering background. I used to work with coding, assembly language, in the telecom segment. And, and I worked across India, UK, with Nokia, all those things I did. And then I realized that, you know, I need to do something on my own. And, and I realized that internet is something is happening in the internet space. I'm talking about the early 2000s there yes. so i joined india's number one internet company at that time and i joined as a product manager there stayed there for 3 years and 2010 i decided hey, it's it's time to do something on my own today where we are and what the starting point was very different you know of course i thought in one year i'll be very profitable and you know we'll have a great life or something like that but soon you realize <laughs> uh, as mike tyson says when you get punched all your plans go for a toss so so yeah so that's the journey it has been a very exciting awesome. journey in the last uh, 10 12 years yeah.
1: that's awesome so partha we ask all of our guests and we have to ask you what's one fun thing that no one knows about partha
2: Okay, so I'm not sure if no one knows about it, but it's it's I think generally not there. It's not there on my LinkedIn profile. So, uh, uh, so I used to work uh, on the missile systems for uh, Navy, Indian Navy. Okay, so oh, the, wow. my first job was that where I should test those missile systems. So we used to go out on those ship testing. The ships were getting built, and then they'll take it out for five six days to the sea to test those ships. So you can imagine those crash. Testing. You must have seen the car dummy testing sure. they do. So those kind of tests and all kinds of missiles would be fired into the sea, and and, and it was fun. And we used to we used to stay in those the bunkers kind. Not a bunk. They're like a bunk beds yeah, and yeah. and all right. those kind of right. thing right. which is there. It was a fun exp- you know experience. And and I've, I've been there like four or five times in in these uh, <laughs> journeys. So I, not many people. Even my my son uh, the other day asked me like you went on a ship navy ship. I said yeah that's my claim to yeah. fame now.
1: But, but Partha, the I, one fun thing you got to do is you got to blow crap up. I totally <laughs> yes. I totally want that job. I I, I am so yeah. suited for that job. Yeah, we we all love blowing crap up. I mean, as a kid, I used to use bottle rockets and and firecrackers and blow crap like GI Joe. I used to blow crap like like little toys. I used to blow crap up. So Seriously. we are very envious of you, Partha.
2: And <laughs> I sometimes look back at it. Yeah, yeah.
1: although i think the fish may disagree with all of us (laughs) oh they're dead anyway it doesn't matter it's true it's true
2: (laughs) and it's not like a cruise ship right so cruise ships you go you don't have any problems you know these ships are actually going to give you seasickness you know if you're
1: oh sure of course well it's something you'll carry with you for the rest of your life so there you go absolutely you kept India safe that was the important part
0: <laughs> seriously yeah yeah
1: so today we're going to talk about employee engagement while a company's in growth mode going from two to 200 employees and I think we've always talked about employee engagement in large companies so it'll be really fun and fascinating to talk about this So, Partha, the first question is, what is the biggest challenge for a company moving from two to 200 employees?
2: I think the biggest problem is things creep in, okay, before you realize anything. they like, you change from 10 to 50, 50 to 100, and 100 to 200. So it's slowly, all the changes start creeping in. You never know, and, and you have to adapt to the situation. And you never know when is the right time to make this certain policy changes, some certain practice changes there. So you don't know when, okay, there are no trigger points that on this number, I will do something like this. The second is, I think most small companies, you know, the founders or the founding team are, are not experienced in, in the sense that they have been a CEO of a bigger company or, or, or a, 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 a com- or a person who has led like huge teams. Okay. So, a lot of learning has to be done. You know, you're not always sure what you are doing. You will be questioned and you will have to keep on questioning themselves, yourselves. I mean, so that is very, you know, other challenge. You don't know. Okay. You don't know what the trigger points is. You don't right. know what needs to be done. And also, I think the largest, the, the biggest challenge, which I found was the whole Initial employees, the first 10, maybe 20, 30 employees are very, very passionate. Okay. They believe everything in, or they believe in the mission, which is there. As you, as your team increases to 250 plus kind of thing, that same passion is not there. And sometimes it might be difficult as a founder to take it. Okay. How come you don't have the same passion as me there? So I think these are challenges which uh, you know we faced.
1: Absolutely. I've been in companies that have been very large and very small. We Dwight and I were both part of a very small company previously. And so there's a lot of things about culture and rules and policies that are very different from a very small company to even those mid-sized companies you were talking about. And I think there's a major transition that happens because when you start instituting policies, people start looking at you like, "Wait a minute." Don't we have to be flexible? And at the end of the day, yeah, for a 200-person yeah, company, flexibility is not really an option anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could have had lots of flexibility at 2 or 5. 200, right. 250. Flexibility means the rule is flexibility. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah, yeah. tipping point. No, at
3: like 150 to 200, you reach that tipping point. That's right?
2: Absolutely. No, every day. So I think the last year was was this year for us. Okay, We went from about 130 to 200 plus in 22 and everything, even a good thing you do, it's questioned, okay? Why? Mm-hmm. why do we need to do this thing? Why do we need to put something in writing? I mean, you talked about, David, the flexibility, right? Why do you need to put it in writing? We know it. Kind of. Once you put it a rule there, it's like, okay, what's happening in this company? Right. But yeah, I think the, the continuous communication is also important to tell them why we are doing certain things.
1: And I think the why communicated appropriately at various points along the way is very important. Those inflection points, those major inflection points of movement, of size, of maturity, as Dwight said, you know, it's different when you go from two to 50. And I think you said this as well, when it goes from 50 to 100 or 100 to 150, those are inflection points. And along the way, there's that need to be that true up to maturity. And to growth so that people all of a sudden don't wake up one day and go, I don't know who's on my team anymore. I don't know who's part of the other parts of the organization. You know, I I may know people around me, but, you know, especially in remote work, Partha, or people working around the world, they may never, ever meet their teammates.
3: True. True. There's this sense of a loss of control that people have. You know, you you hit those inflection points and and we've all lived it where all of a sudden you start to feel like, well, I had control of this. And now you're now you're taking that control out of my hands. And and sometimes it's an illusion of control, but it's (laughs) it's it's a feeling nonetheless, you know.
2: True, true, And I think you made a good point about the remote working. So you can imagine twenty one, twenty two, you know, remote working Mm -hmm. and the team expanding. And all kinds of issues coming up with that. Uh, so so it, it was a challenging time, at least the remote working.
0: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now back to the show.
1: So Partha, let's go to the next question. What did you learn along the way to get you the opportunities to grow your company?
2: See, I think one was the communication, which I learned a little late that you have to keep on constantly communicating. When you're a small team, a lot of this information is is, is through osmosis. You know, you're there, you hear it right, from right. someone, that what is the company doing? What are even the basic things? Like what are the company's revenue numbers? Okay, what are the company's targets? All those things just dissipate and, and like disseminate through the osmosis there. But as right. you keep on growing, I think, it's very, very important to have a formal communication channel. Okay. Which means for us, we did something like town halls. There. Okay. So a regular town hall had to be there. Okay. I initially used to feel, and everyone knows this. I mean, what's to talk about every town hall there. Okay. If you have any problem, just reach out to me. But no, I think that communicating is very, very important. It's something which I learned. The second is this whole, attrition thing okay is like it can be a really important you know competitive advantage why i say everyone knows that if you reduce attrition you will reduce your cost of you know replacing the people and all those things but a small company particularly small companies like like us what happens is a lot of this knowledge is not codified okay a lot of knowledge Mm -hmm. about different systems about about the product is not codified If it's not codified, this person leaves, it can have a material impact. It's not just replacing the other person. It's it's going to have a material impact on how you progress. So your products will get delayed, the roadmaps will get delayed by three to six months because someone leaves out. Okay. Someone leaves. So I think somehow have to be the attrition has to be managed and And that is why the engagement has to be there, the employee engagement. So we communicate the vision, the bigger picture, all those things we do. And third is, I think, and the last point here is, I think we built up a second rung of leadership. I mean, we felt the need. We're still building the second rung of leadership. Someone has to own certain functions, okay? I, Mm -hmm. I always feel that I am better in doing this job compared to this other person I hired. But then there's a balance between efficiency of doing this stuff and, and the overall efficiency of the company. Right. The second rung who takes ownership is very important, and, and we, we are developing this team. I'm not saying that we have reached that. I mean, we've matured there, but I think that's very important to have that second rung.
1: Well, you have to have succession, right? And to your point before about attrition, one of the ways you can combat the loss of key employees is to make sure that there's that bench strength of people who know what's going on, who understand the processes, who have that key knowledge and learning, and it's being shared. I think we often overlook, especially in small companies, the fact that there is that crazy need for a succession plan. Because I, I actually think it's more important to have a succession plan for a smaller company than it is for a right. larger, because there are fewer opportunities. there, are, or, And also, there's... There's there's a more important, to your point before, there's a more important risk of loss. And therefore, you got to backfill because you're not going to keep everybody. You can't. It's, it's employment at will, mostly around the world. True. And you have to be able to make sure that you do have, you, you can't wait six, eight months like large companies can to fill a very important leadership role. True,
3: true. You know, even, even when you get to the 200 mark, you're still functioning like a small company and the span of control of each individual is so wide that right. when you, when you lose that's that right. person, it's, and so to your point, David, you've got to have that succession plan. And that's a hard thing to do when you're going from being the very small micro startup to all of a sudden kind of reaching this critical mass. And now, now you're saying, Oh, what do we need to do for the succession plan? How do yeah. we even approach that at this point?
2: And also, it's a balance, okay, sometimes, as in, like, you need the bench strength, as, as David, you have said. But when you're bootstrapped, you don't even have that kind of money to have, right. uh, you know, multiple bench strength. So I, I think all the balance has to be managed, but we have to be aware that, that this is that the risk of, of this, okay, so and, and plan accordingly.
1: Dwight, you said something interesting. I just wanted to touch on it a little bit. You said that when you grow to 200, it's not small anymore, but those teams in some of those groups are still small and can act and react as a very agile team and can still have that feeling of small, even in the smaller, big, bigger, smaller, big organization. (laughs) (laughs) They can still act that way. You can still have some flexibility in those small teams and still have that culture of whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's, as I said, agility. Um, but I, I think this goes back to Partha, your point of communication. Sure. Those teams, especially especially in the larger small company, as they grow, they definitely need to keep those lines of communication open. They need to be able to impart the knowledge and the what was given as part of that, you said osmosis, the mm. process before, <laughs> now yeah. needs to be more diligent. And more thoughtful, right? True, true. Thank you. Hey, are you listening to this and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I could talk to David about this? Well, you're in luck. We have a special offer for listeners of the HR Data Labs podcast, a free half hour call with me about any of the topics we cover on the podcast or whatever is on your mind. Go to salary.com forward slash Consulting. To schedule your free 30 minute call today. So let's go on to the third question, which is if you had three examples of things that a company that grows from two to 200 would worry about, especially around engagement, what would they be?
2: See, I, I, we have been thinking about this for the last few years. Okay? And I say, so you have product advantage, you have marketing advantage, all those. Adv- so I say that the passion advantage. Okay. Is, is an amazing thing. And, and we have seen in so many times the underdogs beating the, the, the established players, you know, everything comes down to the passion part of it. Okay. So I say the passion advantage, which you have now this passion advantage can come only if you have engaged employees there. Okay. So what we have, I mean, in terms of like what we have been doing when we are communicating, we're making sure that this basic stuff about hygiene factors, salary, your policies, all those things are taken right. care of. But we also show a slightly bigger purpose and impact. Okay. And this is not just to, just to talk about it. We, we made sure that this is something which we truly believe in. And we communicate the same thing on how they're making an impact. Sitting in a small town in India, you know, taking a huge established players globally serving companies in like 60 odd countries show them the results, okay, what they are doing and what is the impact it is happening. So I think that is, is one example in how we are trying to create this whole engaged employee. Second is, is on the wellness part. Now, I know everyone talks about it, but we don't take wellness as a, uh, you know, some kind of to reduce our insurance premiums kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. We, we, we are saying wellness is a part of engagement, Okay. It's like we do some fun activities around wellness stuff. We keep on talking. We have sessions on wellness. So those are like employee engagement activities which we do. And we don't try to measure, you know, how much every employee has participated in all those things. We say it's an engagement activity. Everyone participates. But we keep on nudging those things. So there's a second example. And third is, again, we strongly believe that what we do is not rocket science. Okay. Anyone if they keep on doing the same stuff for, I know, for three years becomes an expert. So we, we said don't worry about this. Okay, we don't have mobile development experience. Just keep on doing. And we, I mean, Apple actually took us in the developer conference, okay, for one of our applications which you had done there. And they found us, we didn't find them kind of thing. Our, our SEO marketing team, okay, no one had any Google SEO experience there. What did these guys do? They went in 2019, April, we used to do about 4,000 unique visitors to our site. Today, we do 2 million unique visitors to our site. Number, great. Right? That's great so I mean, And these guys had no training, no expertise, okay? They just kept on doing, kept on doing. In two years' time, you know, two to three years' time, they become it. So we try to instill into this that, okay? You can do really big things, okay, if you keep on doing this, these things again and again and you become an expert on this. I think so these are some of these things which we have seen. The bad examples, I mean, which you asked about what we didn't do. I think this whole formal communication process, we could have started earlier. Building up the second rung of leadership, we could have done a little bit earlier. Okay, I think we delayed by a couple of years there. So the succession planning, which you, which you mentioned about, I think we, could, we should have started a little bit earlier on, on that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Don't be too hard on yourself, Partha. It's really hard to grow a business. <laughs> it is. There's so many priorities and
3: you don't know which one, you don't always know
1: which one has to be your priority one, you know? And, and also a lot of the statistics point to the fact that most organizations that are really tiny don't last either. They don't grow. Right. Exactly. Either they don't, they don't last because they go out of business or they don't grow. They just stay where they are, which in many organizations is just fine. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did want to pick up a couple of things you were talking about. One about the wellness. It was a study published today that was highlighted in the news in Boston that talked about the linkage of mental health and, and work and that at work, you really need to be mindful and pun intended of How you treat your employees because it could be negatively harming your employee's mental health, like creating boundaries, meaning at ten o'clock at night you shouldn't be working. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I had to laugh. Um, Or, or literally setting boundaries where people don't check their email after hours, which you know we all we all do. But, but wellness is a very important part of the value proposition of an organization, not just because. You know, the organization provides some kind of benefits around it. In some some countries, that's not necessarily true with socialized medicine. But the care about your employees, how do you take care of your employees? How do you treat them? And how do you make sure that they are doing what they should do for the rest of their lives? Not just the 24 minus W equals L, but the 24 minus L equals W.
3: Mm -hmm. And, and companies even you know i would argue that at 200 you're yes you're progressing but at the same time i think a company of that side is uniquely positioned to be able to add you know have that value equation that wellness value equation for their employees, as you grow bigger and bigger, it becomes more programmatic and it seems more sure. like a check-the-box thing. But you're you're still at 200 uniquely positioned, and and definitely what you say makes sense that this is a part of employee engagement and probably one of the key parts of employee yeah. engagement.
2: And I think this is where the, the, the being the small company, we also have the flexibility to take care of our employees. I mean, we don't have standard policies. I mean, I have an example where you know. An employee was struggling to save, you know, a little bit of money because it saves his money. But I was saying that actually, it's a, such a small amount of money for the company that, hey, we then, then, then put up a policy saying that, hey, we'll just give away this X amount of money if anyone needs it. Okay, no questions asked. It's not a loan, nothing. You need it because it's a very small amount for the company. But it's a huge impact on the employee there. And and that flexibility is there today with us at at 200. Maybe this flexibility will not be there at 2,000.
1: Right. 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 Exactly. Let's touch on the passion as well, because you mentioned passion as being really important or an important example that you learned. Passion is really important for every company, but especially when you have passion in a small company, it really can be like David and Goliath or you mentioned the the player, the small player with the, against the experienced player. You really can, especially if you have passion, overcome huge hurdles and that becomes part of culture. The one thing I didn't hear you talk about, which I was really surprised about is establishing that culture and making sure that passion is, is, is a key part of it. Isn't that, you know, I, maybe I overlooked it. Maybe you did say it. I apologize if you. No,
2: it, it it is okay, and and that's what my job today is is basically to make sure this culture is is there. Okay, they understand the story, they they listen to the history. Also, sometimes when you don't have any idea of where this company came through, what the struggles are, you know, if my father tells me his struggles, I become more involved. Okay, in that I feel more about my father. The same way, if I talk about the company's story, the history they talk about. So we try to make sure both the things, both the past, when I, and it all falls under the communication part of it, okay? The past, we keep this, telling the stories and those anecdotal stories, okay? This this company, this client I got, you know, standing outside the ladies' room, you know. And 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 those kind of stories we build up. And also, we tell about the future, that what is possible and what we are doing today is we're just scratching the surface, okay? There's so much to be done. So, both these two parts are important to create the passion. And you take this example in any any of those sports, you know, sports movies and all those things which you see, it's always what is possible kind of thing, okay? Okay. At uh, the point which I mentioned about, we don't need to be an expert. You keep on doing something on a continuous basis, you will become an expert, okay? Something which might look difficult in two years, in the short term, okay? Can we be the number one player in two years? No, we can't, okay? And even if you try to put that uh, goal, it's like a, uh, what is this guy smoking, you know? But, <laughs> but if you say, can we be the number one in this field in 10 years' time, Okay then like people start, okay, it's possible. Then, of course, it's your job to break it down into the smaller milestones, okay? But it's possible. So we are there for this uh, for the long term, okay? We want to show the future to them. So that's how you create these passionate employees.
1: Awesome. Well, Partha... I think we've had a really interesting and wonderful discussion around how to engage your employees from a company of two employees to a company of 200. And how do you grow and keep those people impassioned as well as engaged? So you talked about employees being passionate. You talked about them and their wellness and caring about that. But you also talked about they don't need to be experts to get things done and to keep at something and to achieve it eventually and hopefully most companies can live by those things those are really awesome examples of how do you how you can grow and and keep your keep your company on a path to engage your employees is there anything else you want to cover before we end
2: but nothing specific but i think what you summarized it well i think keeping the passion and that the advantage is huge okay the attrition if you can manage the engaged if you can have engaged employees Nothing like that, okay? You, you can really beat things. I mean, you have seen Twitter going from whatever, 20,000 to you know, 2,000 people, but it's still running. It. Okay, So I think uh, having engaged employees is the key to being successful.
1: I totally agree. And Dwight, I yeah. think you agree as well. We love being engaged. Wholeheartedly,
2: yep. <laughs> Most definitely.
1: Partha, thank you so much. It was wonderful having you on the program.
2: Thank you, David. Thank you, Dwight. Thank
3: you for dying. Thank you for being with us. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we do. And thank you for listening. Take care and stay safe.
0: That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.